Jesus says to all of his called out followers, pay careful, close, focused, diligent attention to the testimony of me that you hear and that you continue hearing. second thing that we see is that this exerting of effort, this paying close attention, this devoting oneself to focus and attention is an indicator of true spiritual life. So we said this earlier, and this is easy to see, that what Jesus says here, pay careful attention, pay close attention, it is a command. And scripture teaches us to think of the commands of Jesus as how? As indicators of life that the commands of Jesus given to us in the scriptures, our willingness, our desire to obey those commands is a clear indicator of spiritual life. Jesus says to us, if you love me, keep my commands. Meaning that if you don't keep my commands, it's a pretty good sign that you don't love me. Or at least to say, if you willingly and knowingly don't keep my commands, that's a pretty good sign that you don't know me, that you don't love me. So spiritual life is indicated by the keeping of Jesus' commands. And this is a clear command that he gives to us. Jesus is not suggesting. You know, if you want to excel in this Christianity thing, if you want to excel in the church and you want to be a leader, then pay close attention to the things that you hear. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says to all of his called out followers, pay careful, close, focused, diligent attention to the testimony of me that you hear and that you continue hearing. In other words, delve deeply and diligently and purposefully and intentionally into the truth, the testimony of Christ, which you hear and continue hearing. And Jesus says, continue doing that. There is a, let's call it a false idea that I have heard. I've heard this probably all my life. But I particularly have made notice of this for the entire time that I have been involved in ministry in the church, which would go back to uh, being a deacon and being a, uh, a teacher of adults and adult Sunday school situation. So this goes back to at least to, what, 2004 or five, something like that. This is what I've often heard, and you've heard this too. You are the type of teacher that likes to dig deep into the Scriptures. You heard that? So-and-so is the type of teacher or the type of preacher that likes to dig deeply into the Scriptures. The necessary implication behind that is that that's not the only acceptable type. You follow? We've all heard that. We've all been exposed to that. You are the type of teacher or preacher. Or let's, let's change the analogy. Disciples Fellowship is the type of church that likes to dig deep into the Scriptures as though that's one of several acceptable options. You follow what I'm saying? So with that line of thinking, okay, so one type of Bible expositor or one type of pastor or one type of teacher is the type that really likes to get into the meat of the Word. But there's other types. And those types might like to focus in other ways. Or or there's other types of churches that might find as their main focus other things. This church likes to focus on the deep understanding of the deeper things of God. 
But then this other church likes to focus on blank. Now take that blank and put anything you want in it. Take that blank and put in it a vibrant youth ministry. This, likes, this church likes to focus on a vibrant youth ministry. Or this, this church likes to focus on vibrant children's programs. Or vibrant programs for the family. Or this church likes to focus on a quality music program. This church likes to focus on good quality music. Or this church likes to focus on community outreach. Or this church likes to have a pastor that knows his place and can tell good stories and keeps it under 25 minutes. Fill in the blank with anything you like. And then plug it back into this passage. And see what works. Nothing else works. And so the scriptures know of two and only two kinds of expositors of the, of the scriptures, teachers of the scriptures. The scriptures only know of two kinds of churches. The scriptures only know of two kinds of believers. One is the Bible teacher or the church or the individual Christian that focuses intensely and purposely on the deeper understandings of the truth of God, and the other kind is unfaithful. Those are the only two kinds. Those are the only two kinds of believers, of Bible teachers, pastors, leaders, and churches that the Scriptures have any understanding of. Either you are faithful and you are pursuing as your main focus the truths of God, or you're unfaithful. There's no third option. There is no third option that you can put back into this clear statement of Jesus and have it work and have it mean anything whatsoever. The type of church that the Scriptures consider to be faithful is the type of church that has as its main intentional purpose is the deeper exploration, the deeper understanding, paying careful, close attention to those things that you are hearing and those things that you continue to hear. One of the things that I find so spiritually frustrating is this per perpetual, undying understanding that it is somehow possible to be perpetually ignorant of the truths of God's Word and still somehow manage to think of yourself as the fruitful Christian that Jesus says is the good soil. I find that so frustrating. And we all know that to be a constant reality, a constant perception among our culture, that somehow it's, it's like there, it's an, an option. A Christian can take a couple of different paths. You can take the path of the bookworm Christian, of the Christian who likes to read, who enjoys studying the deeper things of God, or you can take another pathway, and they're both okay. When Jesus says so plainly, Jesus says so clearly, pay careful, close, diligent attention to the things that you have heard and the things that you continue to hear. We have a midweek service that the stated intention of the midweek service is this passage. The stated intention 
is to come back together and closely, carefully consider the things that God has said to us. Now, having said that, I leave that entirely up to the Lord because I know there are work schedules, there's life schedules, that some people travel a long way to get here. I leave that completely up between you and the Lord, but it is to say this. As a church, we diligently pursue verse 24. We diligently pursue saying to ourselves, we are on a weekly basis going to hear what God has to say to us, and then we're going to ponder it and consider it, and we're going to come back together a couple of days later, and we're going to consider carefully the things that God has said to us. But most of us who were here this past midweek, for this past midweek service, remember, I'll leave names out, but there was one among us who related a conversation of the previous week that this individual had had with some other people in their life who for decades and decades have been known by the name Christian. And the conversation that this individual had with those people was a conversation that was, quite frankly, shockingly unbiblical. Staggeringly unbiblical astoundingly ignorant of the most basic principles of the faith. And somehow we live in a larger Christian culture that thinks that that's still somehow compatible with verse 24. That somehow we can live our Christian existence out in such a way in which, well, the deeper things will, that's not really what interests me. That's not really, I'm more excited about what God does for my emotions, or I'm more excited about the music that gets me up and going. I'm more excited about reaching out to my community, all of which can be good, all of which can be healthy outcroppings of the word implanted into us. But most plainly and most clearly, Jesus says to us, here is my command, pay close, diligent, careful, purposeful, intentional attention to the words that you hear of me and the words that you continue to hear of me. Notice also that Jesus makes no allowance here for the skill or the calling of the biblical teacher or preacher. He says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus makes no allowance here for the skill of the teacher or for the talent, for the insight, for the communication ability of the one bringing those words. How often do we hear this sort of thing? I've said this myself. How often do we hear this or say something of this nature? I just can't get anything out of that guy. You ever said that or thought that? I've thought that. There's people right now, I could tell you, I can't get anything from that guy. Or How often have we said something like this? So-and-so is such a gifted teacher of the Word. He just helps me see. Well, Jesus is speaking to a group of people whom every day, who was their teacher? The Son of God. The only perfect communicator. The one who saw men's hearts. The one whose Word He was teaching was His And yet he still had to say to them, listen, you must pay careful attention to what I'm saying. You must put forth. Jesus didn't say, listen, 
you guys have it easy, but the people coming after you, write this down for the, for the generations that follow you. Tell them to pay close attention to what they hear. But you, you guys, I mean, you guys, he didn't say that. You must pay careful attention to what you hear. And he was talking to people who day in and day out heard it from the Son of God. Thereby, Jesus was taking out of the equation the weaknesses, the shortcomings, or the giftings of whatever biblical expositor, biblical teacher there may be. Now, that is not to say in any way that it is not an absolute sin for an expositor of the Word to not be diligent about doing just what Jesus did. Deliver the teaching as clearly and as precisely as possible in such a way that's as understandable as possible. But that's a different subject altogether. Jesus is addressing not the, not the teacher. He's addressing the hearer. And he's saying it matters not. If you think that they're skilled or unskilled or a good communicator or a poor communicator, what you are responsible for is diligently paying close and careful attention to what you hear and what you continue to hear. But notice also Jesus, though he doesn't make any allowance for the deliverer of the message, of the message he does make a great allowance for the grace of God. Again, verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. So Mark's the only one that includes that. And so Mark, what he just included right there from the words of Jesus was this recognition of the grace of God that's added upon the effort of the individual, the effort of the Christian to hear, receive, accept, understand, cling to, exert the effort, seek it like a treasure, seek it like silver, mine it like a hidden treasure, incline your heart to it, all those things to that get added the grace of the Lord. Because this is the character of God. God's character is such a character that whatever He gives to us is abundantly heaped upon with His grace. We should not read what Jesus is saying here to, to mean that what, what Jesus is saying is there's this one-to-one correlation. You give X amount of effort, then you'll get the same amount of spiritual return. That's not what Jesus is saying. What He's saying is that the spiritual return is contingent upon your effort. That the Holy Spirit will not just come along and grace you with comprehension and understanding of the things of God without your effort, but what the Holy Spirit does is He takes your effort and He abundantly multiplies it. Think, think you know, a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread feeding 5,000 people. That's the principle here. That's the idea here. Because this is the character of our God. God is always the one of a character that when He graces us, it is an abundance of grace. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 Uh, Jesus says this, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And then there's the saying again for the measure with the measure that you use. So the picture here, pressed down, shaken down, put into your lap. It's like I I sort of picture a a bucket, like a five gallon bucket. You ever had a bucket and you're trying to fit into that bucket as much as you can, maybe as much dirt as you can or as much rocks as you can. You sort of shake it. You shake it down, you sort of compact it down and try to fit as much as you can in there. That's the picture here of the grace of God. Like God is just trying to shake it down to fit as much grace as He possibly can into our life. John chapter 1, verse 6, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. There's grace, and along behind that grace becomes 
more grace. Isaiah 55, verse 7, when God wants to pardon, He doesn't just pardon. He abundantly pardons. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8, when He pardons our iniquities and passes over our transgressions and shows us love, He doesn't just show us love. He shows us steadfast love. And He doesn't just show us steadfast love. He delights in showing us steadfast love. John chapter 3 and verse 16, when God gives, what does He give? His only begotten Son. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, when He saves, He doesn't just save, He saves to the uttermost. And once He saves to the uttermost, He doesn't just save and then leave them, but He then ever lives to make make intercession for us. This is the nature of our God. Solomon doesn't just receive all the wisdom in the world. Solomon receives the the wisdom of the world, plus the riches, plus the power, plus the peace. Jairus doesn't just get his daughter raised back to life. His daughter's raised back to life. And then Jesus gives her something to eat. Job just doesn't just have all of his things restored and his health restored, but he has them abundantly restored twofold. You see, this is the character and the nature of God. So when the effort is given, when the focus, when the paying close attention is given, then along comes Holy Spirit to take that like bread and fish and just multiply it for us.